And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. It is so surreal to have our featured guest come back for the sixth time. I mean, this is a person who I consider to be one of my greatest heroes, and it's, it's surreal. And I want to share this moment with you, and I also want to bring to your attention that some of the questions I asked Dr. Paul in the beginning particularly have to do with uh, people in the American media. And if, you're, if you don't live in the U.S., there's um, a lot going on in here where there seem to be a real big push to censor any voices that go against any particular type of narrative. It's as if like you can't really share a different opinion than what uh, is being pushed upon. Uh, the population. So I ask about that because I think it's very important and I think we're going to start seeing more and more throughout other countries in the world where uh, voices are being censored and that's the worst possible thing. I mean, all ingenuity and innovation and, and beauty comes from freedom of expression. And when that is pushed and when that is suppressed, it, life is absolutely miserable and, and that is something completely worth fighting for. So uh, Dr. Paul, it's a short interview gives a lot of profound insights, and let us begin. It is an honor of a lifetime once again to welcome back to the show Dr. Ron Paul, three-time presidential candidate, founder of the modern-day liberty movement, and a person who's dedicated his life for the betterment of humanity, for spreading freedom, and for inspiring millions. Dr. Paul, thank you once again for joining us, sir. Ryan, it's great to be with you again. Thank you. Well, yesterday, Tucker Carlson, one of the largest voices out there, some people will say he's conservative, some people have a different perspective, but either way, he was somebody who was speaking a truth or uh, giving information that goes against a lot of what people are saying, and that voice was silenced. Because it was pretty shocking, do you feel at this point in time that any voices that are going against a narrative? that is pushing for war, that is pushing for any type of tyranny, are being purposely marginalized for the sake of pushing through an agenda? Or do you think that this is actually the favor of the consciousness right now, that most people are actually in favor of this censorship? I'm just curious to know what you feel is the main driving force besides uh, the censoring. Well, I, I think the driving force, uh, I have... Uh assumed uh, and others have uh, agreed that you know in the past sometime and i sometimes date it you know in the past hundred years at least there's been a a technical coup a change from our government we don't have the government that was start uh, was mandated by the constitution and when you think of all the changes and we what we're putting up with now in our universities and medical care and lockdowns and covid and constant wars and they don't declare them 
the evil that they've uh, given us in the monetary system. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. It's because there's a prevailing attitude and there have been some people well-placed on purpose by themselves and others to promote this, whether it's our universities or the media or whatever. But I think there's, by numbers, I still think they're the minority. And I think uh, the you know the Tucker Carlson and he was he's been so well known and he was take on he took on all this big guys like the pharmaceutical industries and the war in Ukraine and all these things, and the people responded. Finally, the answer to uh, the craziness of COVID, a lot of it still exists because the people are still around, but it's, it was the people that started to wake up and uh, had to you know, at least reverse the situations. So it depends on the people. That's where I'm optimistic. I think programs like uh, you have, Ryan, and talking to people, you know, even if you say, oh, I don't meet, meet many people. And uh, I keep thinking that you we, you reach a, a small number. I always assume I'm always just talking to a few people because for a long time, that's exactly what it was. When I first went to Congress, I would go to a college campus and uh, I'd talk to 15 or 20 people. Uh, but now, you know, when I had the presidential races, there were thousands of people that were interested. So, so I see a great movement changing that way. And that is good. And I think uh, Tucker was sort of part of that, you know, in in being an expert in reaching large number of people and their vehicles there. That's why uh, our means of communication is so important. That's why social media is important and all of it is, but it's always vulnerable to people who want to take it over. So it's been used in a negative way. But right now I'd say there's some positive things that come out of it because there's a lot of, a lot of podcasts out there and things going on. And, and I, I think a lot of dumb things going on, but I think that's the way it is. You know, when we had newspapers, all newspapers weren't perfect. There are a lot of problems there. And uh, so, but I think that uh, what we're, what we're seeing uh, is all a reflection of attitudes and education, so parental uh, responsibilities, teaching their children. And where does that uh, go to? But when you look at our streets now, we've drifted a long way. But I, I think that is uh, a reflection of a changed attitude by some, but not by all, because I keep saying, well, most of the people I've ever met in my life have always been pretty decent people. And it's just the few that can get away with this and they seek power and others yeah. become lackadaisical. And then they keep, uh, uh, you, you know, making things worse for us. But I think there's an awakening going on now. And I think what we have to do our best is to get the message out for freedom. Thank you, Dr. Paul. You have this one quote. I'm always thinking about it. And you always say, oh, I mean, you said that people can't unhear what you tell them. And that's always stuck with me. And when I first started watching you in those presidential debates, I think it was 2008. That was the shift, fundamental shift for me, because I was like, I have to be active. I have to do something. So I think that impacted millions of people. And I was thinking that you know, you've been speaking the principles of liberty and freedom and talking about things for over 40 years, and you've been right. You've been validated in so many different times. So you've been under attack from a lot of people who are trying to cancel you out. So how did you personally deal and how have you dealt with um, this wave of individuals or even the corporate uh, corporations that have been trying to cancel you out for speaking your truth? And what advice would you offer to other people who are facing similar challenges that you faced? 
I tried to guide myself by saying it's all philosophic, it's all ideas, and you have to reach them. I made it a specific goal of mine while in Congress was uh, to talk to everybody and get and gain an edge mainly for social reasons. Just talking to people about their kids and uh, presenting your case, because there was a time when they'd look at me and they'd say, what are you doing? Why are you voting with those liberals and all of this? And then uh, later on, a few of them, not many, a few members would come and say, why do you take this position? You're the only one that's voting against this war. And this war is so important to America and liberty and all that. And it was a quiet conversation with many and a few of them, you know, switched their position. So I, I think it was that I that I had a responsibility to be as best informed as I can. But I also thought it was very important on if you're trying to get somebody to uh, think about what you're doing, you can't do it by yelling and screaming and pushing and hollering and demagoguing. Uh, and that is a huge temptation. I feel that at times I'd like to just, you know, but I don't, uh, it's, I very rarely use uh, other politicians' names. <laughs> One time I gave a speech for an hour and a half during the presidential campaign. Somebody came up and said, you talked for an hour and a half and you never said who you were running against and you never said who the Democratic candidate was because it was at a, a Republican convention. But that was me concentrating on what I thought was important because I think ideas are su far superior you know, to the demagoguing that goes on. And right now we're up against some tough, uh, tough opposition. And uh, I see that uh, the opposition have really philosophically accepted the notion that nihilism is proper. This is knowing truth. That's impossible. So they don't even believe it's available. That's why we have a job. And yet, and still, the people that I see and talk to, and I met along the campaign way, and even the young people during the campaigns that came out that uh, there was a lot of room for optimism, but you have to be realistic that the uh, people who totally oppose us would do almost anything to stop us. And that's why uh, I date the real expansion of the coup that taken over of our government in the 1960s when uh, the couple Kennedys were assassinated and Martin Luther King was assassinated. And now we don't have a judicial system in spite of the fact that I think most people, if they knew what was going on, uh, they they would say, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. And there are, a lot of people are still confused. That's why I dedicate myself now to education rather than for running for office. See, I, 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 I encourage people to do it, but you, I want people to run for office for the right reasons. And that is to promote a real cause, not to have political power. And I had no interest in, in political power. See, that's, that's incredible because you have to be one of those few people that have ever been in Congress that seems to have a moral compass the way you do. And Doug Casey has written extensively about, it seems to be the collapse of morality in America, yeah. about why it's happening. And from your perspective, based on everything you've seen and observed in your time in America and looking at countries throughout the world, do you believe at this point that the American Union can be preserved or do you feel or think that at this point it's best that America separate separate that you have certain states where they live by their own principles because that way you can have a peaceful coexistence instead of having to try to find everyone under the same guise because the way I look at it Dr. Paul is 
it seems you have a lot of people that are all living together that don't like each other that are all sharing the same bank account. And it, it just seems worthwhile if people lived among other people that respected the same values. I mean, it seems that years ago, America was founded on these principles of freedom, self-ownership, respect, and a lot of people were on board with that. It seemed the country was very prosperous. So well, what is your perspective? Do you think well, that the- I, I think the most important thing is to know what our goals are and what the founders intended, what a republic is uh, like compared to a democracy and socialism and welfareism and all, all that and understanding economic pol policy. I think that that's important. But you sort of ask, uh, what, what, are, what is my beliefs about, yeah. you know, in, in two or three years, if we elect to different Congress, how things will get. I'm not. I'm not optimistic in saying just a few more people there, and we'll <laughs> have the votes, uh, because I think that uh, the the uh, malfunction, malinvestment, mal spending, the deficit, the destruction of the monetary system. That's not. Uh, just a few people can't change that. You have to change the attitude that's been ingrained by our uh, economic and our. Uh, uh, and our educational system. And that's going to take a while. Where I am optimistic is that's available. You know, we have quite a few libertarian organizations and podcasts going on, and people know there's a difference. So we have to change people's uh, people's mind. So I'm optimistic in the sense that, no, this can't continue, and you're not going to elect a new Congress next year. Uh, or a new president next year and say, all of a sudden, we're going to change and we're going to go and we're going to go in a different direction. And we're going to uh, systematically reduce the deficit 10 percent until it's balanced and we have extra. Now, it's not going to happen. The it's it, but it's going to change because this one is is going to end just like our foreign policy has to end. We we can't afford it. It's turning against us now. The blowback is getting greater and uh, we're, we're broke. We're having less friends and uh, overseas. But uh, we we uh, we we then have another opportunity to rebuild it and re in, reintroduce the the, the uh, Republican republic of uh of the constitution and that will be available but we can't uh we can't patch this up because uh is people will just they are so addicted to it. it's like an addiction you just can't uh people there are too many people have been taught that if we just march in we can go into america in time we want okay and and they're going to give us everything and take care of us well, you can't because we run out of money and that's what's happening. And this debt is going to limit it. But then their decision will be, are we going to win the intellectual fight and say, let's return and think seriously about our liberties, individual liberties, and let people be responsible. So it's a moral responsibility uh, and an economic responsibility of self-reliance. And that is what will make the difference. And we can win that. We have to, or things will get so much worse and it might take a lot longer. And it's going to take a while. It's, uh, it's just that, uh, you know, people say, uh, you know what we have to we have to worry about uh, you know the dollar right right now will the government default on the dollar and not send the checks out and i mm. said my answer to that is they're defaulting every single day <laughs> you know they, st they steal your value of your money your dollar is losing it so to me a lot of it is basic understanding of economic policy which has been really undermined because we allowed our university to be controlled uh, by authoritarians uh, Dr. Paul, I just have one last quick question for okay. you, and that is, 
what is the one thing that you do daily that keep you uh, focused on working within the freedom movement? What inspires you? Is there any affirmation that you have? Is there any practice that you do daily that keeps you motivated and inspired? To to me, I think it's enjoyment, uh, knowing interest in meeting the people that I've met and seeing people change their mind and how important it is. So I sort of put a a, a, a responsibility on people if they're really interested in what I'm talking about. And I'll talk to a crowd and I'll say, if you're really agreeing with me uh, and you understand what I'm saying, you understand what freedom is versus authoritarianism, I believe you have more uh, responsibility than the person that just says, oh, yeah, and I don't know what it is. And I can't do anything. I think the people who know it, I think they should assume that they have more responsibility for themselves, for their family, for their country, you know, for liberty and all. And I uh, I get a lot of satisfaction. People say, oh, boy, you've really helped me. I, you came and I heard your speech. I said, when I go to these uh, groups, and they all of a sudden a light bulb goes on. I get excited about that. <laughs> so I think, and, and and this is true when we have our conferences. I see the people that come together. They want to associate with people like minded. But those numbers are growing. I really believe that. But it's still a tough fight. Uh, Dr. Ron Paul, thank you so much. I go to your conferences every year. You always have a wonderful people, great speakers there. And uh, sir, it is truly a blessing and an honor to have you with us today. Thank you so much for all that you've done, all that continue to do for the cause of liberty. Very good. It's very nice being with you again. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.